You saw the video clip before we sang this morning. It says, welcome home. Welcome to my home. <laughs> you know, this is how I think. This is how I work. And I'm so fortunate that the God allows me to come as I am and to speak to you as I am. We are continuing the series here on By Faith of Hebrews 11. By Faith. I don't have to have faith or believe and hope that God is here this morning because he already is. God's presence is here amongst us this morning. And let's just talk to him before I start. Heavenly Father, I thank you for allowing me to be me, for using me as a vessel to be able to give a message to your children. Father, this is your time. This is your moment. May each one of us hear and listen to what you have to say. Because the stories that we depict here of those within Hebrews 11 is so powerful for us to hear. And I thank you for the opportunity that we have to come to your house and to be in your presence and to study your word. Father, help me this morning to be able to do as you ask of me. And may we all be blessed as we leave here today. In your loving son's name I pray, amen. By faith. Last week, Sergio kind of did an introduction which states, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see. This is what the ancestors, ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was invisible. I like how he alluded to it that we can't always see what lies ahead, but you know what? God can. God knows exactly what he is doing. Sometimes for us, we have to walk through this world in a way that, well, it's like a maze. Faith is trusting God even when you don't understand his plan. How many of you here have gone through that experience? Yes, pretty much each one of us at one time or another has come to the point of realization, God, I, I can't do this myself. But when we say that, God says, I know. That's why I'm here with you. Have faith in me. Trust me. Believe in me. Faith. The scripture here has so many accounts of faith that I think it's important for us to at least take a glimpse of what hmm, the New Testament writers stated here about faith. Okay. There we go. 
For we live by faith, not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, Galatians 2, 20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Each one of us should treasure that text. That should be on your mirror in the bathroom every morning. Ephesians 2, 8, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift, a gift from God. Matthew 9, 2, Some men brought him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. There's a, a few words I just want us to focus on. When Jesus saw their faith. Wait a minute. Faith is visible for other people to see? Let's continue. Let's continue. Maybe. Nope. Hmm? I'm hitting it. Can you help me out there, Aaron? Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter. He said, your faith, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed in that moment. Matthew 9, 22, Matthew 17, 20. He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed. You know how small that is. Small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible. Nothing will be impossible for you because of the faith that God gives to us. Mark 2, 5, when Jesus saw their faith. Once again, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Do your neighbors see your faith? Do the storekeepers at the store see your faith? Do the associates that you work with in your job see your faith? It seems to me that faith is something that's visible, that can be seen by others. Faith is powerful. Faith permeates within inside of us, and it should spill over to others be able to see our faith I like Mark eleven twenty two. Let's just cut to the core. Jesus says, have faith in God. Have faith. Have faith in God. Have faith in this control switch. Luke 17, 19, then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Romans 10, 17, consequently, faith 
comes from hearing the message. Faith comes from hearing the message. And where is the message? It's not me. It's not Pastor Sergio. The message is found here in this book. A love letter that God has written to each one of you. That is the message that we can be able to read. That is where faith is found. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. We know that we're going to have some hard times ahead of us. Maybe some of you right now are going through some difficult times. God is saying, stand firm. Have faith in me, my friend. Have faith in me, my child. Because it's all about him. He wants us to understand that it's important to be able to have this relationship with him. Let's take the text that we find in Hebrews eleven seven 7 that starts out, By faith Noah, when he warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world, and it became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. This morning we're going to be looking at this text, but mostly... We're going crazy. But mostly, I want us to be able to go back and at least get a concept of what we're talking about of Noah and the faith that he has. So, listen to these words. Ten generations of increasing corruption reached a climax. There was nothing but evil, but temporarily, but always not in the case of merely a few individuals, but society as a whole. The world around Noah is chaos. Society, I'm sorry, it's gone to pot. Evil. So when we turn to Genesis 6, by Noah's time, nearly all people are drugged on the fumes of their egos. Self-centeredness. See, that was the problem back then. They were so self-centered within themselves, they didn't even give time or effort to get to know a God. It was all about them. They were drugged on their own egos. Wickedness has become the number one all-consuming human addiction. Our Father, the Eternal One, saw that wickedness was rampaging through the earth and that evil had become the first thought on every mind, the constant purpose of every person. At that point, at that point, God's heart broke. I have a hard time seeing the picture of God right now in the words that he shares with Moses. And he regretted having ever made man in the first place. This is a loving God. This is an all-caring God. This is an all-compassionate God. Something, something must have been far extreme and different than I see in the world today because we live in an evil world, amen? It's out there. We see it on the news. It's around us. But yet the eternal one, God, continues to speak. I know what I'll do. 
I will wipe humanity, my special creation, from the face of the earth, humans, animals, creeping things, birds of the sky, for I regret that I ever made them. Have you ever regretted something? You wouldn't think that the God of the Creator would use those words as He looks down at His creation here on this earth, but He says, I regret that I ever made them. But there was one person, one person whom the Lord could not let go of, Noah, because this man pleased Him. Here the account of Noah and his descendants. Noah was a good man, a right living man, the best man of his generation, and he walked closely with God. Noah fathered three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jopheth. They lived at a time when the world had become vile and corrupt. Violence was everywhere. God saw that the earth was in ruins, and he knew why. All people on earth except Noah had lived corrupt lives and ruins God's plans for them. He had to do something. This is a moment in earth's history that was going to change everything. God was going to make a decision. God says, no more. I have to do something here. And he chose to continue. You're you're all familiar with the story. As he talks to Noah, he says, no, I I want you to build an an ark. I, I want you to build a boat. Now, all of you boat lovers out there, this boat is 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. That's a big boat. That's one and a half football fields long. That's a big boat. And it ain't a ski boat either. It's a big boat. As he continues to talk, he gives them dimensions as far as this boat. He tells them what to do with the tar. But he says, Noah, I want to give you a covenant. I want to give you an agreement. Noah, you are my son. As he talks to them, he tells them about, I want you, your wife, your your sons and and their wives to be able to be safe in this boat. But Noah, I ask you the commission to go out and share with the other people in this world that I have created and give them an opportunity to also be saved. Also to be saved. Take the food that you need in this boat. I'll give you the animals. They take the animals in this boat. Notice the very last line, verse 22. So Noah listened to God and he built an ark. I like that. Noah listened to God. You know, sometimes we have difficulty. (laughs) We don't always listen to someone who's talking to us. But Noah listened to God. He was very attentive in what God was telling him. He built the ark. He did everything God asked him to do. God was a special man. God was someone that Well, Noah was someone that God chose to carry humanity into this next part of the history of this earth. There was something about, well, there was something about Noah. For 120 years, God had continued long-suffering beyond measure, and Noah's life and labor 
had condemned the world. But human beings carelessly and indifferently hastened onward to their doom. They didn't even give Noah the time of day. In saving one family and destroying all others, God was no not arbitrary. Noah alone had qualified for a mission to the new earth that was to follow purification of the earth by water. You got to remember now, Noah's talking about rain coming from the sky. There had been no rain coming from the sky. Just that claim right there, people could say, you're crazy, Noah. The only water we have on this earth is the dew that comes up out of the ground. What do you mean, water from the sky? <laughs> you're crazy. You're crazy. Noah was 600 years old when the door of the ark was closed. How much he must have suffered as he saw the multitudes of human beings with whom he had lived for six centuries. Can you imagine six centuries of your neighbors that you've had contact with, that you have rubbed your elbows with, that you have talked to, maybe had dinner with, I don't know. For six centuries, indifferently and carelessly drifting to their doom, Noah must have redoubled his final efforts to warn and invite them to enter the ark with him. Please, please, please. But all was to no avail. I can't even imagine what must have been going through the minds of these people who were so engrossed with themselves and their desire to please them that everything that Noah said to them fell on deaf ears. He's just a crazy old kook. Besides, look at what he's doing over there with the sons building that monkey bar thing. Put yourself in Noah's shoes. Would that be an easy task to do? Ridiculed, mocked, shouted at. But yet God chose a man who knew God. And he did it because God asked him to do it. So again, we go back to this one faith in Hebrews eleven seven By faith, Noah... We've got to look at what was happening here with Noah to be able to know what transpires for him to be in the book of Hebrews. So, by faith, Noah. Hmm. Have you ever thought what your obituary may read? Brian, by faith, Don, by faith, Don. What your gravestone may read, by faith. Noah had a faith. Noah had a faith. I came across this here, which I think kind of says it in a nutshell as well. Faith is not believing that God can. It's knowing 
that he will. I like that. I like that. It changes the whole dynamics of the structure of the relationship that Noah had with God. And a lot of times, in order for me to understand that, I have to go to some understanding in my mind to make it real. And so a lot of times, I default and look at my wife. She's beautiful. Amen. But the thing is, what, what do you think I hold on to as the most precious statement here? I believe that my wife loves me. I have faith that my wife loves me. I know that my wife loves me. Which one do you think has more credibility? I know. I know. Faith is believing but Noah, he knew that God was going to send a flood. He had a responsibility to do his part in what God asked of him to do. Even though he was ridiculed, even though he was mocked, even though he was jeered and called a fool and everything else, he stayed focused on what God asked him to do. For 120 years. <laughs> 120 years. I, I guess the best way I can look at it is, and here again too, I'm very visual. That's how I work. Here is the life of Noah. I can only take it up to the flood because Noah lived to be 950 years old. Whew. I'm just tired thinking of that. 950. But then again, too, he was 600 years old when the flood came. But there was something, something here. At this point of when God conversed with Noah, something, had to happen in order for God to choose Noah to be the man. We don't know what that was. We can only speculate. I don't think speculating is wrong because Genesis 6 gives us a pretty good idea of the character and the kind of man that Noah was. Genesis 6, once again. Noah was a good man. Noah pleased him, and that's God. You know what the definition of worship is, Doug? I know you do. I'm not going to ask you. The definition of worship, pleasing God. That's it. It's not defined in an activity or something that we do. The definition is the aspect from our heart, and that is pleasing God. That means 24-7, seven days a week. What we do here this morning is just not a snapshot of worshiping God. It's accumulation of our week of worshiping God when he says, I want my children to come together and come home so we can celebrate together. 
We come here with the intent to worship him. It's not about me, folks. And it's not about you. It's all about him. Noah pleased God. Noah was a right living man. He made right choices. He, he did things that probably fell into the category of being obedient to what God asked him to be as he lived his life in this very evil world. He was unique. He was different. Said that he is the best man for this generation. He was the only man who stood out in this generation because everybody else was still self-centered on their own actions. He walked close with God. Okay, now we're starting to get to where maybe I can relate my desire is to walk close with him. Do you walk close with God? Is, is that your desire? Through everything that Noah went through, he was a man who walked close with God. All people except Noah had lived corrupt lives. He made the right choices. Sometimes we fall under pressure here even today and we're susceptible to the influence of other people that we don't always choose what God wants us to do. But not Noah. Not Noah. He lived a life that was pleasing and loving to God. Noah listened to God. You know, sometimes, I don't know about you, we live in a world that's a lot different than Noah's time. And sometimes I think it's far worse. We're just too busy. We're too busy. It's hard to be able to stop just for a moment to be able to listen to God. That's his disguise. Psalms, be still and know that I am God, David writes to us. Take a break from the hecticness of this world. Stop for a moment and just be still and listen to me. Commune with me. Noah built an ark. He was obedient. He did exactly what says here. He did everything that God asked him to do. He was a pretty... Wonderful man in the Lord's eyes, wouldn't you say? God loved Noah. He had a relationship with Noah. Everything that he had created was not all lost because there was someone here that was fulfilling that relationship that God had desired for his children. In a nutshell, Noah's faith was in knowing that God will. 
That's what he banked on. Noah knew that God will. God wants to be your friend. Your relationship to God has different aspects. God is your creator and maker, Lord and master, judge, redeemer, father, savior, and much more. But the most shocking truth is almighty God yearns to be your friend. That still blows my mind away. That God wants me to be his friend. We were made to live in God's continual presence, but after the fall, the ideal relationship was lost. Only a few people in the Old Testament times had the privilege of friendship with God, and Noah was one of them. See, the, the whole aspect of this picture of knowing God comes into play, not just for Noah, but for us today. If I were to ask one of you to come up here and sit in this chair do you foresee a problem in doing that? No. I really doubt if anybody would come up here and say, hmm, let me see. Eh, it looks like it will work. Well, just a minute. Oh. Nice. Do you think you would behave that way? No. How many times have you sat in one of these church, in one of these chairs in this church? Hundreds. Hundreds. You would probably run up here, jump on the platform, and sit down here and just say, fine, now what, Pastor Fred? Here I am. And I would say, you know what? I need some more light on the situation. Could, could you help me? Give me some more light on the situation. So make sure to blind your eyes. I don't want to blind your eyes here. And the person reaches up and flips the switch. Oh, did you see what he did? Did you see what he did? He flipped the switch on that light box. Isn't that amazing? No. One of the things a small child will learn even when they probably crawl, if they flip a switch on the wall, something happens. They get light. Both accounts to the chair and the light switch stems from experience. Experience. They would never know that it works, and the word is know that it works, until they actually experienced it, until they tried it out, until they flipped the switch, and then they knew the outcome that they could bank on and say, this chair will hold me. This switch will give me light. That is what Noah had in his relationship with God. For Jesus changed the situation when he paid our sins on the cross, the evil veil in the temple that symbolized our separation from God was split from top to bottom. 
indicating that direct access was once again available. Once again, we could commune with our Heavenly Father. It wasn't the practice of the sanctuary of the Old Testament that separated us from Him. We had access to Him. Hebrews says that we are to go boldly to God. Boldly to God. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus has made us friends. Friends. All this is done by God who through Christ changed us from enemies into his friends. You see a, a pattern here that Jesus is desiring for each one of us? No longer will I call you servants because the servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends for everything I learned from my Father I have made known to you, Jesus was very compassionate. Jesus had a desire for us to know even today that God wants to be our friend. Let this pour over you. Knowing and loving God is our greatest privilege. And being known and loved is God's greatest pleasure. Oh, doesn't that give you warm fuzzies? Doesn't that make you feel good inside that God looks at this relationship between you and Him, between me and Him, as something that pleases Him? Because that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about, is about this relationship. Jeremiah 9, 24, if any want to boast, they should boast that they know and understand me. These are the things that please me. It's the relationships that we have with God. It's the things that we can share in our testimonies to other people. This is the kind of God I worship. This is my best friend. This is the man that loves me. This is what we have to offer this world Every opportunity that we can is about a loving, caring, compassionate God. Faith is not believing that God can. It's knowing that He will. As we start to land this plane, Sometimes I don't know what the Lord is doing with me when he gives me these little tiny illustrations, but this is my life. This is your life. A funnel. You may have one in your home. I look at the funnel as being who I am. Because unlike Noah... This is his funnel. All of those years that led up to this is the accumulations of life experiences, accumulations of relationships with God, accumulations of the good and the bad and the highs and the lows. It's an accumulation that makes us who we are today. 
I am different today than 10 years ago. I am different today than the day I got baptized. And I contribute that to the things that God has put into my funnel that I look at, that makes me the person that I am today. And that goes for you as well. Fred, what's, what's in your funnel? I'm thankful for a Christian family that I was raised in. I'm thankful for accepting Jesus Christ on my 18th birthday. I'm thankful. For meeting my wife. Who rocked my boat. Changed my thinking. And made it available for me. To see a truth that I've never seen before. I saw the Sabbath in a way that I never understood. I heard the words justification and sanctification and what that meant. I understand what happens when a person dies. Time prophecies. I I never saw time prophecies in the Methodist church growing up. But time prophecies are beautiful. It's a part of God painting a picture for each one of us. I understood it was important for me to surrender. Those in Noah's time, they, they didn't surrender. They didn't need a God. And they lost can't tell you exactly where in my life, but I realized, you know, I could fight to be the best person that I believe I should be, that God wants me to be, but unless I surrender and let Him make me into the man that He wants to be, it'll be a battle. God's unconditional love, and he says, Fred, come unto me as you are and get to know me. Know me. Don't get me wrong when I say this. Fred, know me. Don't know the church and what they describe on how you should behave or what you should do. I love the church. But in my life, it seems to be coming down to smaller and smaller of the funnel. And these things, they're important. Know me. But Fred, don't lose sight of my son's second coming. Live your life. Share others. Make kingdom decisions. This world is just temporary. It's a speck. It's a a speck of sand on on the beach of eternity. Fred, don't get caught up in that. Look at the bigger picture.
And recently, when I've taken all this in my life and I've given contemplation and prayer, I said, Lord, what is it that you want me to see? He shares with me this message. Knowing and experiencing God through an intimate and personal relationship is the greatest and most important thing, Fred, that you can do. Fred, look at Matthew 6, 33. What you should want most is God's kingdom and doing what he wants you to do. Fred, don't go into this with an agenda. Surrender. Because when you surrender... The good news is he'll take care of all the rest. Do you see it? Fred, knowing God is what Christianity and religion and life eternal is all about, and I'm beginning to realize that more and more. That's what Christianity is. It's not a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's not about a behavior. Morris Vinden said it best, it's not what you do, it's who you know that counts. Relationship. But the wonderful thing is that he always paints a picture for us. And eternal life means to know you, the only true God, and to know Jesus Christ whom you sent. I thank the Lord for 43 wonderful years with this woman. Because I know that she loves me. And I know that she knows that I love her. Because it's that knowing that holds us together like glue. If I only hope, if I only speculate, if I only believe, well, In that knowing are trials and struggles and problems and things that rise and things that go down. These things are these are storms that help each one of us in life. We experience storms with God. Step far enough back to see that God is taking you through the storm because He has a better plan for you afterwards. It's for your own benefit. And boy, that's hard to recognize. That's hard to recognize. That's why I probably, until the day I die, Morris Vinden to know God. I had it in my library when I first became an Adventist 40-some years ago. I didn't read it until about five years ago. Changed my life. All because the importance of Christianity, all because God is saying, Fred, it's all about a relationship. Just get to know me. Be like Noah. Be like Noah and respond to me. Listen to me. Be obedient. Surrender. Have a relationship with me, Fred, because that's what it's all about. That's the kind of man and character that Noah was. And I thank the Lord for Noah. Because if it wasn't for Noah, we wouldn't be sitting here today. 
So we should be thanking him. I want to be like Noah. I pray each one of you has a relationship with God to be able to carry you through the struggles, through the things, because God does have great things for each one of us. But ultimately, he wants to take us home. I like that video clip. Welcome home. Welcome home. Can you imagine what that's going to be like when Jesus comes and takes us home? That's why I love studying with children because they give me a picture of what that's going to look like. And oh, my goodness, <laughs> they have some wonderful pictures. Imagine it. Picture it. Welcome home. May you leave here differently than what you came. May you have an aspect of know with inside of you saying, Lord, I want to get to know you better. I want to walk with you. I want my life to live so that my neighbors, the people where I shop, the place where I work, they can see faith in me. May I, may you be a walking billboard. It's not that hard. Father, all of our lives, you have been so faithful. You have been good. You have been there for us. The lows and the highs, the good and the bad. And you chase after each one of us. Father, I thank you. I thank you for who you are, for accepting us as we are, and desiring a relationship with us as your friend. God, you are awesome. And I long for the time that we can be together again. Be with each one of us as we leave here today. May we draw closer to you. But thank you, Father, for your unconditional love and the gift of your Son. In his name I pray. Amen.